Thought maybe you boys might be interested in putting on a big-time wrestling bout. You know, make a nice hunk of dough for yourself. It's time to fight! Santa? Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade. You're a dead man. What am I supposed to do? There's always barber college. Frankie, I know you're a great wrestler, but my brother, who ain't as handsome as you, is as strong as Charles Atlas. Yeah, but I've wrestled women that are bigger than him. Sure, you got fat, sloppy women. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. On this episode, we are talking about Be Cool, starring The Rock. And uh, as always, before we get started, be forewarned, this discussion will be chock full of spoilers uh, regarding probably Be Cool, um, Get Shorty, and possibly any other thing that Elmore Leonard ever wrote. Very good. I got a spoiler for you, Craig. Okay. I spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool. <laughs> nice little Carlito reference there. <laughs> Thank I, did, you. I didn't make that connection watching the movie again. <laughs> March 4th, 2005, this came out. Did mm-hmm. you go see this in theaters? Yes. Like a loyal Elmore Leonard fan, um, I went and, and saw it. It was based on a book that he, that he had written. So uh, I was there probably um, – not opening night, but probably you know that next Saturday for first show. I wanna I wanna talk all about Elmore Leonard. Uh, let's first just for anybody that hears the title and is like, I think I know this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the sequel to Get Shorty. John Travolta, Uma Thurman star in this film, and The Rock has a very wonderful, prominent role as a as a bodyguard, and we'll get way into that. So, who is this Elmore Leonard? Elmore Leonard was a uh, popular um, crime writer. Um, He started writing in the 1950s, and in the course of his career, he wrote Westerns and then uh, pretty much got into the the crime game. Um, A lot of his books ended up being turned into movies. He wrote almost 50 novels, um, and in addition to Get Shorty, um, the movie Stick with Burt Reynolds was based on one of his books, Um, Mr. Majestic with Charles Bronson. Bronson. Oh, yeah, it's a great uh, movie. Uh, and um, also uh, Jackie Brown uh, by Quentin Tarantino was based on his book Rum Punch. Um, he also uh, wrote a character called Raylan Givens, um, who appeared in a couple of books. And um, they spun off the TV show Justified is based on that character. And one of the cool things about Elmer Leonard is his characters sort of jump from book to book. The uh, movie Out of Sight with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez shared a character in Michael Keaton's Ray Nicolette, who was also in Jackie Brown. So um, it was kind of cool how you could pick up one of his books and you might um, have a minor character in that book who was the star of another book in his series. And I really liked reading him because he um, he wrote really entertaining books um, uh, that were really easy to read. They were dialogue driven. His characters really, uh, sort of popped off the page, if you will. And he, he wrote, uh, in the late nineties, he put out a list of, um, his 10 rules of writing. And these were the rules you should follow if you wanted to be, uh, a successful writer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, number 10, uh, was one of my favorite. And it was, uh, try to leave out the part that readers tend to skip, <laughs> which, uh, I think it's such a great tip that probably a lot of writers uh, don't really think about. No, absolutely. Uh, He died 
in 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 August, just mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, yes. and that's when we decided we wanted to talk about him. Yes, and, and you had brought up this movie, and so we had a couple things we had to take care of first. But uh, that's why we're we're taking a look at his career. Um, he was an older man when he passed away. It was in his uh, in his eighties, eighty seven yeah. years old. Was he still working? Yeah, he was actually. Um, he had put out a book based on the Raylan Givens character called Reagan, uh, Raylan last year. He was also working as an executive producer um, on the show Justified, and mm-hmm. apparently um, the producers of that show were very close with him in making sure that it, uh, it sort of stayed true to his vision. And he was actually in the middle of a book when he died, um, and his son, had, who is also an author, has said that he will um, finish it up, and I guess we'll get one last Elmore Leonard book before... Uh, before he's done but he gave us a lot of great great books over the years and uh he's one of the few uh authors that i've actually picked up a book by him that i've read and read again it's very rare that i reread authors Mm -hmm. um or read the same book twice and i actually read be cool again in in preparation for this show and before i watched the movie ah well we'll have to break down some of the the differences and similarities i gotta say I love the name Elmore Leonard. That's a name of the past. That's a Hollywood 1920s name. Yeah, it's a very cool name. Uh, and, and by every indication, he was a, a pretty cool dude. Uh, he, was, uh, he was actually Elmore Leonard Jr. So uh, what is his son's name? Do you know? Um, yeah. What it's, was not, he... it's not Elmore Leonard III. It, That's no, what it's, um, I think, Peter. Okay. I want to say Peter. Yeah, that is, yeah. that is really something. Have you read anything his son has done? No, from what I understand, he started, or he, you know, he was he, he was published quite recently. I don't think he's been writing oh, okay. very long. I think it took him a while to, I guess, either establish himself or uh, decide to, to to follow in his father's footsteps. I also know a lot of writers, and, and this this might be one that Elmore also came up with. What I know, a lot of writers say that it takes a hundred thousand words to sort of develop your voice, and maybe he was working on those hundred thousand words before he had a. Those you know behind him to uh, to put out some proper stuff. Very nice. Yeah, the uh, the list of credits here is just outstanding. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many here that I've either seen or heard of, uh, and and the fact that it goes back so far. I mean, yeah. his his first credit on IMDb was 1956 on the Schlitz Playhouse. He uh, wrote the story for an episode called Moment of Vengeance. I think it may have been something that was adapted or, or yeah. something like that. But how very cool. Now, what are some of your favorite books uh, that he's written? Are there any you've read that you didn't like? And uh, and what have you read? Um, I, I I don't think I've read a book by him that I didn't like. There might be books that I, I, I didn't prefer because the one cool thing about him was he didn't sort of get stuck in a rut. Um, he did write about crime um, and, you know, shady characters a lot. And his setting was normally either Detroit or, or Florida. Um, but he also wrote some really interesting stuff um, towards the end of his career. He, he wrote a, a book called Pagan Babies that took place in um, Rwanda. And then he also wrote uh, another book um, called The Hot Kid, um, which yeah. took place during the Depression. Right, about um, Honey Boo Boo. Uh, and then he also wrote a um a children's book in 2004 which i have that i've actually never read Um, some of my favorites um, i like that idea though i like because i always think with children's books and mm -hmm. i've read a few and i think i've talked on here about some of mick foley's children's books yes it 
is something that I find that number one, a lot of celebrities, or in his case, you know, an established writer, mm-hmm. kind of uh, will t- celebrities will take a stab at it and yeah. just put out whatever. I mean, it's mm-hmm. Johnny has a ball. Johnny's jumping up and down. Yeah, and I find that reading children's books to children, you start to realize which ones are good. <laughs> yes. I would I would be very interested to see Elmore Leonard, the guy who who you know from a lot of very violent, a lot of very dark novels, mm-hmm. yeah. writing a book for kids. Yeah, you know what? I'll have to uh, I'll have to dig that off the shelf and maybe uh, bring it by next time we yes. get together. Yeah, maybe we, you can read it to my son. We'll see what he how he takes to you. That would be great. <laughs> that is very cool. So what else? What else have you read? Um, I've read, I don't know, probably at least half of his, of his catalog. Uh, his Westerns I've mainly stuck to. He wrote a lot of Western short mm-hmm. stories, which have been collected. Um, that's actually how he started. He was working as a, a copywriter and I guess he, he saw that there was a market, um, the Western market in the fifties was big. So he figured that was the way to break in. And uh, in his spare time, uh, at work, he would, you know, write these stories, um, so I've read, you know, a lot of his, his Western novels, um, but, you know, 52 Pickup, which was a movie they made with Roy Scheider, um, Gold Coast, I've read, Stick, which is the Burt Reynolds movie, uh, a book called La Brava, Glitz, which was, Glitz, which was sort of his breakout, um, Freaky Deaky, Kill Shot, Get Shorty, of course, Rum Punch, which I, I've read multiple times. And that's for, the Jackie Brown book. Yeah, for a while it, it was my favorite Elmore Leonard book. Um, Pronto, which included the Raylan Givens character, is another one of his books that I've, I've read multiple times. There was a follow-up to Pronto called Riding the Rap. Also Out of Sight, uh, Cuba Libre, uh, Be Cool, of course, Pagan Babies, which I mentioned, uh, Tishomingo Blues, um, Mr. Paradise, The Hot Kid, pretty much anything he wrote after... I'd say 95 I've read by him with the exception of the, uh, the, ki- the kid's book. But I, I got into him through my dad right around the mid-90s and also through Quentin Tarantino who really you know, got a lot of his voice from Elmore Leonard uh, and also his approach to sort of you – know, his novelistic approach to making films. So in the 90s, I was a pretty big uh, Quentin Tarantino fan, so I was sort of – you know going back and seeing where his influences were. And, you know, it was a combination of, of Quentin and my dad saying, Hey, you know, yeah, this is definitely a guy you should be reading. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into be cool here. Directed by F Gary gray. Yes. From uh, what Friday. Yes. Uh, with yeah. Zeus. <laughs> yes. And the Italian job. Uh, yes. And which... I think he did a lot of music videos. And the Italian job co-stars or the the lead character, but it's an ensemble cast, is uh, Mark Wahlberg. Am I right? I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that movie. Yeah. It's it's one of those movies. I remember so little about it. I know Edward Norton was in it. Yeah, and there were bricks involved. That's all I I remember. I just remember that. (laughs) <laughs> that the the pizza place near me had Italian job uh, pizza boxes for a while. But, uh, yeah, so Mark Wahlberg, who appears in Pain and Gain yeah. with The Rock. Which I watched recently. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get into yeah. uh, sometime soon on this show. Uh, Elmore Leonard, of course, did the novel. The screenplay, mm-hmm. Peter Steinfeld, uh, he wrote 21 and analyzed that. Yes, and also... 
Yeah, that was like if I had a relative who was over the age of 70 mm-hmm. um, in the 1990s, that's probably how they referred to Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> very good very yes. good uh let's go through the cast on this yes in in the in the film get shorty you've got john travolta you've got gene hackman mm-hmm. renee russo and danny devito that's yeah. not who we're getting in this film we get john travolta yeah we got Uma Thurman from Pulp Fiction, the two of them together in a film, John Travolta and Uma Thurman. That, I think, was was exciting to a lot of people. Yeah, that was the gimmick, I think, that they, they hope brought a lot of people in. Now, help me out on this, and, and if you don't remember, it's, it's fine, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen Get Shorty in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, does Gene Hackman make it through Get Shorty? Does Renee yes. Russo? Yes, and actually, that's one of the differences between the movie and the book. In the book... It's referred to what happened to the Rene Russo character, and unless I missed it last night when I was watching the movie, they don't reference her character at all. I didn't think so. I yeah. don't remember her character's name, but so what, what happens to her in the book? In the book, she, she dumps him and uh, marries a screenwriter. Okay, all right. And Gene Hackman, just we just assume he went on his own way. And, yeah. And, okay. Now, Danny DeVito does show up in two separate scenes in, in cameo form, but we get Vince Vaughn in this movie, who I absolutely love. Uh, a lot of people love him from Swingers and... Mm-hmm. and uh, the Lost uh, some, World? That's what I was going to say. That's where I was going with this. Swingers and what was the follow-up to that? Uh, uh, made. Made okay. Yeah. A lot of people like him from those, and then his more recent stuff like Elf, uh, not Elf, Nick Four Claus, Christmas the is, the other yeah. Christmas one. But yeah. what I like him from is the Lost World. I, yeah. That was the first thing I saw him in, and I I've always been rather fond of him. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer, a guy who I can't believe has that name and has <laughs> been allowed to use it in films. I know. I don't know. I I don't know if Cedric the Accountant is out there someplace, <laughs> but uh, uh, Andre. Benjamin, who is he's what a famous musician? Yeah, he's from Outcast. He goes by the musical name Andre Three Thousand, which I guess when he decided to get into acting, he he didn't think he had I guess the pull that Cedric the Entertainer had and <laughs> used his last name. I love Andre Benjamin in this movie. Yeah, he was uh, good. He Dabu. was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, uh, there's a bunch of other people. We'll get to most of them during the rundown of this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of this cast? I mean, I had never seen this movie before. Yeah. I know you've seen it before. Mm-hmm. I was shocked at how many celebrities kept popping onto the screen. Yeah. Um, one of my biggest problems with this movie is it's almost entirely miscast. Um, in some cases, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and others, it just really doesn't. Uh, when you're approaching it, having read the book, um, yeah. I, as we go through, I'll, 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 I'll probably mention, you know, the improvements or the differences, but right. well, yeah, I mean, you, you can't argue with the, with the level of the cast. I mean, there's some really, really good performance in this movie. What I'm thinking might be the way to do this mm-hmm. is we go through the film and mm-hmm. then we go through the book. Then you, you, you break down what, what happens in the book and, and mm-hmm. give us the, the full rundown on that. I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> the Very one thing about Elmore Leonard and uh, why it's so difficult to really adapt his movies, and I think they've only been adapted successfully a handful of times, is Be Cool was 355 pages long. Um, 
that's kind of hard to translate to a movie that runs under two hours. Right. Yeah. Which, which in terms of pages would be about 90, 100, 115 yeah. minutes, 115 pages. And that screenplay pages are much easier, you know, in, in terms of the number of words than yeah. book pages. So yeah, mm-hmm. no, there is a tremendous art to, to transferring a book to a movie. Yeah. It's, it's rare. There's been a handful of times where I've actually, preferred the movie over the book i think the 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 most obvious example for me might be jaws uh by peter benchley which isn't to say that the book isn't good um but the the movie version um just works better yeah i i would say the godfather and and that's one of my favorite movies of all time the book is amazing yeah, you know what I and the great thing about The Godfather is that basically includes the first two movies. Yeah, no it does. Yeah. It does and and you get, you know, a lot of neat backstories. So yeah. I'm curious to hear what we get in this. Uh mm-hmm. the plot here is starring an unbelievably hip all-star cast including John Travolta, Uma Thurman, Andre 3000, Steven Tyler and The Rock and bursting with the hottest music in the biz. Be Cool is the wildly hilarious tale about a gangster turned music mogul and what it takes to be number one with a bullet. When Chili Palmer, Travolta, decides to try his hand in the music industry, he romances the sultry widow, Thurman, of a recently whacked music executive, poaches a hot young singer, Christina Milian. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. Okay, Christina Milian from a rival label and discovers that the record industry is packing a whole lot more than a tune. <laughs> so embarrassing to even read that. I know. And just to think somebody actually had to write that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, I I got to say, this movie does have a lot of comedy in it. I don't know that it. it I don't know that hilarious was was what I would think. I mm-hmm. I thought this movie was almost like an action film with a lot of comedy, and and uh, and and we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts out. You've got James Wood in the car. There's this discussion about how you can use the f word once in a PG-13 movie, yeah. which is just a gag because this is a PG-13 movie. So Travolta says it once and then goes, "I'm done." Yeah, yeah. And it's basically uh, this whole scene is sort of just a riff on sequels and why sequels never work. And Travolta's character uh, is a film producer in the first movie, and they made a sequel to Get uh, Get Leo, which is the movie they make in the, in the first movie, and it didn't do well. So it's almost like they're trying to be self you know, like uh, like uh, meta here and referencing themselves. It, this uh, felt like I was watching Scream 5, <laughs> and I was just like, ugh, ugh, cut it out, guys, yeah. cut it out. Uh, this I, I can, scene I, bothered I can, me. I can say this. Um, anytime you watch an Elmore Leonard movie or an adaptation and something makes you squirm, it's not from the source material. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me ask you this. I watched this earlier today uh-huh. for the very first time in my life. I mm-hmm. had seen Be Cool. No, I'm sorry. Get Shorty mm-hmm. in theaters with you. Mm-hmm. Be Cool. First time. Watched it today. When did you first see this movie? And have you seen it uh, since other than the viewing for this? No, I saw it in, in March of 2005. And the fact that I haven't seen it since <laughs> should uh, should speak a little to my opinion of it. Uh, get Shorty, which is a movie uh, – that I, I probably saw multiple times in the theater and, and have watched a, a handful of times 
since then. Now, oddly enough, I have not seen Get Shorty again since mm-hmm. see, seeing it in theaters with you, I might add. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do have the DVD. I got the DVD free uh, many, many years ago when I bought a DVD player. They were like, you can get five DVDs uh, and here's the list. Yeah. And so they sent me it. And the funny thing is, and I was noticing this as I was looking at it today, it says it includes an eight-page booklet with uh, trivia, production notes, and a revealing look at the making of the film. Oh. And and it's not in here. Oh man! And and I can't imagine that anything happened that, you know, like somebody <laughs> traded me something yes. for my my booklet about Get Shorty. So yeah. I think that uh, they they did put punch a hole through the UPC code. So I guess that was uh, part yeah. of the deal. They, yeah. they punch a hole in it and they throw the booklet away. Yeah. One thing I will say about Get Shorty is um, Travolta was offered the script and he read it. He didn't like it, and I, he, he was friendly with Quentin Tarantino, who you know gets credit for, you know, sort of resurrecting his career with Pulp Fiction. And Quentin said, it's an Elmore Leonard, uh, you know, movie. You have to do it, but you have to go back and tell them that they have to be more true to the book. And sure enough, Travolta went back and said, you know, he read the book and he said, why aren't we just making this? And there's a scene in Get Shorty where uh, Delroy Lindo talks about how easy it is to write a screenplay where you just, you know, you take the book um, and you, you know, you write it down on another piece of paper. Um, he makes a real, you know, uh, yeah. a funny speech about how easy it is to adapt a book, um, which is basically what they did with Get Shorty and, and what sort of makes that movie so successful as an adaptation, in my opinion. Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Congo? <laughs> I watched Congo again the other day and uh, Delroy Lindo's in it. Yeah. And he says to Tim Curry at one point, Tim Curry's eating his sesame cake, and he goes, stop eating my <laughs> sesame cake. And I was like, God, that's hysterical. And then for some reason, I was like, let me Google it. And sure enough, there's a thousand memes of oh. his sesame cake. You're eating it. His <laughs> sesame cake. Stop eating it. That's all I think of now with with the great Delroy Lindo, who is not in this film. But we yeah. do get James Woods. Mm-hmm. He's shot by a guy with a bad rug. The rug's yes. flapping around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have... and, and, and that becomes sort of a, a comedy um, gag through the rest of yeah. the movie. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of the subplot that I didn't totally follow, which mm-hmm. we'll, we'll touch on throughout this. Uh, we meet the cops. Debbie Mazar is the assistant to the cop, and I always like her in movies. Yeah, she was a character created completely for the movie. Okay. Uh, he gets a rental car. He wanted a Cadillac, and he gets an, a green car that is, is supposed to be the, the, uh, the electrical Cadillac. Yes, the Cadillac of electric cars, yeah. Uh, we see Danny DeVito. He says he's playing Johnny Cash. Now, Walk the Line came out this same year. I That's thought that funny. was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And they make a pretty a pretty funny joke about, you know, uh, the fact that Johnny Cash was like 6'5 or something. And, you know, yes. DeVito says, oh, low angles. Yeah, you can, <laughs> yeah, you can work that out. Remember they made uh, Brad Garrett? who, by the way, was the voice of Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan's yes. Rock and Wrestling, they made Brad Garrett into John uh, Jackie Gleason yeah. for the Honeymooners movie. Yeah, I remember reading about that at the time where they made the doorways um, inches taller so he, would, he wouldn't look as tall. It was pretty right. amazing. Uh, and you watch that movie and he sells it. Yeah, why not? 
Mm-hmm. So, um, so we see, uh, we see the singer in the club. We mm-hmm. see Vince Vaughn's her agent. Vince Vaughn's ridiculous in this movie. Uh, and the rock is his bodyguard. And they talk about the rock's bodyguard in this. Uh, and it, it, it concludes with the rock getting in a fight with John Travolta. Tell me a little bit about this scene, Craig. What, what'd you think of this? Um, this was almost straight out of the book. Um, the major difference is the Vince Vaughn Raji character is black in the book. In the movie, it's a white guy who wants, you know, who, who acts black. Right. Um, and the funny thing about um, the Rock's character, Elliot, is when you read this book in the late 90s, the Rock had just sort of make, started making a name for himself in the WWF. And it seems like this role was written for The Rock. So when they finally made the movie, um, yeah, sure enough, they got The Rock. And I actually have um, the description of the character from the book, if you'd like me to read it. Yeah, please do, because from what I picked up in the movie, mm-hmm. he's Samoan and he raises his eyebrow. Yes. So here's uh, one of the first uh, times um, he appears. He appears a couple pages earlier, but this is the moment where we get his description. Um, Chili turned, and there was Elliot, the human door blocking their way. Six five or so up close, and maybe two sixty. Not bad looking, hair clean and shining. Uh, the guy may be only part Samoan. Chili seeing African in his features, his skin a pale tan shade, his eyes holding, but not looking especially mean. Um, and then later, uh, that page, uh, this is page 65 of the softcover version. Um, I drive casting directors crazy, go through a thousand photographs. This is chilly. No luck. And then see a guy in the street who fits the part down to his toes. He watched Elliot lower his gaze and look down. I say to myself, there he is, but can he act? Elliot's face came up and he raised his right eyebrow. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, if you look at the rock stats, he's six, five. 260, which is how he's described in the book. Yeah. And he does the eyebrow move. I remember in 99 reading this book saying, oh, my God. And then, I mean, it really is. Um, if Rock, if The Rock didn't do, do this movie, I'm not sure what they would have done. It's, it's also interesting here that they pair him up with Vince Vaughn for much of the film. Vince Vaughn is a giant of a human being. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like over uh, – he's, he's like WWE wrestler size. Yes. Height-wise, yeah. So – in multiple scenes, he looks taller and, and, you know, because of that, he looks somewhat bigger than The Rock. We don't see The Rock without his shirt off until the end of the movie. And I felt they dressed him in a way that downplayed the fact that this is a giant. This is yeah. a massive, massive man that should make Vince Vaughn look small because of the fact that his shoulders go out from end to end. Yeah. You know, and they covered him up in, in shirts that weren't skin tight. You yeah. know, his way of dress in this film is, is, is different than how I would address him. And it, it's one of the things right off the bat, he loses a fist fight with Travolta. Yeah, which doesn't occur in the book. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, in, in, the, in the book, um, they have that, that, that exchange, Vince Vaughn, six Elliot on Chili, and Chili basically turns around and introduces himself as a, uh, a movie producer. And says that, you know, uh, if, if The Rock, uh, if Elliot's interested in acting, he can get him a, a screen test. Um, and Elliot backs down. In the movie, they sort of still had him go ahead and, and get uh, get physical, I guess, to make uh, Travolta's character look tougher. I, I don't know. Yeah. What's interesting about this, though, is we've talked on many of these shows about moments in movies where they have these bulked up wrestling guys. Mm-hmm. 
and regular people <laughs> try to give them hell. Yeah. And it always ends poorly for the regular person. Uh-huh. It always ends bad for the guy that comes up to Roddy Piper and is like, you think you're really tough? Yeah. And then he gets thrown through a window. And on this occasion, Travolta gets the best of the rock right away. Yeah. But the rock's excited because he's got an audition coming up. <laughs> yes. Uh, we see Harvey Keitel with Vince Vaughn. I got to tell you. Harvey Keitel's part in this movie, I almost tune him out every time he comes on screen because mm-hmm. it was it was this subplot that I didn't really care about. Uh, we, basically, Christina Milian, mm-hmm. her character is part of a group called the Chicks, mm-hmm. and the Chicks are owned by uh, Vince Vaughn, yeah. who's owned by Harvey Keitel. Yeah, they're they're partners, but it's definitely Harvey Keitel's the the uh, sort of the boss in that uh, in that partnership. So Harvey Keitel's like, oh, he came in, you know, uh, I wouldn't deal with John Travolta. Mm-hmm. I'd tell Chili Palmer, you know, that that you own him, and what mm-hmm. happened, and you know, and the Rock got beat up, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's a it's it's an interesting scene. Uh, but it's a scene that, you know, with two great actors, mm-hmm. but this and the whole stuff with like this Russian mob yeah. that runs this, you know, like pawn shop. Yeah. I couldn't get into this part of the movie. What'd you think? Um, this was where the movie sort of deviates from Leonard's book. Huh. They sort of keep all the same characters, uh, but the things they do and the reason they do them changes. Um, basically, in the book, you have Harvey Keitel saying, um, you know, advising Vince Vaughn's character to let Travolta take her, um, and if she's successful, they can come back with her contract and say, hey, you owe us, you know, she's our, she's our, our client, so we're going to take all the money. Uh, that was pretty much dismissed in this um, the Russians' involvement was completely different in the book, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Interesting, yeah. Um, but yeah, it seemed like it was one of those things where they wanted to keep the characters, but then they didn't want to use them the way they were supposed to be used in the book. Um, and that's the main problem you get with a lot of Elmore Leonard adaptations is either the writer thinks um, they can fix a story that doesn't need fixing, or they try to include too many of the ingredients from the book and almost lose the plot. Yes, indeed. So Cedric the Entertainer shows up, and we see him at his family. I can only imagine that this was Suge Knight. Yeah, it, it, it definitely in the book he seemed like an even harder version of Suge Knight. <laughs> well, here's the problem. Yeah. You cast Cedric the Entertainer, and I, they're, they're doing gags that feel like they're out of Dumb and Dumber. I mean, yeah. this is this is silliness. He's in this beautiful mansion in in what he calls the suburbs, but this is a this yeah. isn't even the suburbs. This is an absolutely ritzy, ritzy, ritzy neighborhood. Yeah. And Andre th- three thousand pulls up with his gang, mm-hmm. and the gang is blasting hip hop music. And he says, "You know, don't be a stereotype. Turn this down." And then in the back, they've got a uh, a record uh, um, a record like music director for a big radio station yeah like yeah and they're and they're basically uh bullying him into or or threatening physically threatening him um with violence uh, if he doesn't play their records my biggest takeaway from this was in the book they pretty much uh uh, the sin character his character is pretty much the stereotypical what you expect from late 90s sort of 
gangster rap, death row records, performers, and you know uh, executives. Right. And and I think for this movie, for whatever reason, they decided that they couldn't really present that, um, or they just decided they didn't want to, and they wanted right. to go more. And you know, they they thought maybe this was the the way they could add comedy. You also wonder how much of this was F. Gary Gray coming by and saying, "Hey, these characters really don't ring true to me." Let's you know. Let's mix that up. And he's got the comedy background with Friday. Um, either way, it, it, these scenes really didn't work for me. Yeah, Cedric is was very big at this point in time. Yeah, and so his character comes on screen, and he's supposed to be beating this guy with a with a spatula. <laughs> yes. Supposed to be just smacking this guy silly, and the guy's tied up. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, "Am I supposed to feel bad for this guy? Does this guy have a family, and mm-hmm. and and his family's missing him?" And instead, it's whack, whack. Now play our record, whack, yeah. whack. Mm-hmm. His daughter comes to the door, "Hey, daddy," and he and he's like, "Whoa, guys, let's all wave to her." And so they all have their guns behind their back, and they're like, "Hi, little girl." Yeah. And she's like, "Hi, gangster guys," and they're like, "Hey, how's it going?" In, and then the door closes. He's like, "Door close, okay." Smack, yeah. smack. Now play that record. I. It's at this point. I know. I'm. I'm thinking this guy's safe. This guy's with a bunch of buffoons. Yeah, I yeah. almost expect this guy to come out on top. <laughs> yes. Uh, this this part of the movie, uh, it's just not the same tone mm-hmm. as the rest of the movie. We have earlier in the film. John Travolta, his character is cool. Mm-hmm. And in multiple scenes in this movie, guns are pulled on him. Yeah. And what does he do? He just stands there mm-hmm. and lights his cigarette yeah. or adjusts his sunglasses mm-hmm. and talks. He doesn't get riled up by people that are about to kill him. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that works. Mm-hmm. This doesn't work. This is the opposite end of the spectrum of what they were trying to do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and again, it was one of those things where in the book, um, that whole crew, uh, Cedric's character, Sin, uh, they don't make it through the halfway point of that book. Um, they're basically a, a plot device and then they're disposed of. Ah. Um, and it seems like one of the main things they did with this adaptation is – they didn't want anybody to come out of this movie looking like a bad guy or uh, that much of a bad guy except right. for the Russians. Except for the uh, Russian guy, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I guess for whatever reason they were like, hey, you know what? There aren't – there isn't like a big Russian lobby out there, so let's make them the bad guys. <laughs> right. So – all right. So we go to the next sequence, which is Travolta showing up at Uma Thurman's house. Now, mm-hmm. Uma Thurman – her character was married to the John Woods character. James, James Woods, Woods, yes. yes. I'm getting all the names wrong. I almost said Jackie Gleason's name wrong, by the way, earlier. And I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was, I'm embarrassed to admit it. Uh, so she gets – she's there and she's lying down. We see mm-hmm. her uh, from the back first and we see that she has this Aerosmith tattoo on her lower back. And she's yes, up yeah. in the – way in the, in the hills of Malibu and she's mm-hmm. suntanning. Yeah. And she's got the tattoo. Yeah, she was a, a, apparently a big Aerosmith fan. Yeah, so she would do their laundry, she says. Yes, and that is in the book. Um, she had she had toured with Aerosmith uh, in her younger days and 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 did their laundry. Uh, 
And it's funny. She actually uh, jokes at one point that she never had sex with them, but she played cool. Uh, she played tennis with Tom Hamilton, right. uh, who's their bass player. Um, in the book, um, she's there. There's actually a scene where she tells Chili that she's going to play um, uh, tennis with Tom Hamilton. So they kind of use that, but um, put it in a in a different um, different context, which was kind of interesting. Chili wants to know if she was a groupie, and so you're saying in both the movie and the book that is not the case. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she did their laundry. Yes, they brought just... a washer and dryer on tour with them, except for Steven Tyler's uh, stage yeah. outfits, which were uh, sent out. Yeah, of course, obviously. <laughs> so they have this conversation, and it's at this point that I'm thinking – Wait, who is she married to? And yeah. then I'm like, it must be James Woods' character. And and then I, I think back and I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. He was a record executive. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's odd. Now, do you remember, was she in uh, the first film, Get no. Shorty? No, no. Uh, was, her... was James Woods? No. No, basically, so... James Woods' character, um, Tommy... Uh, Athens is sort of um, an acquaintance of Chili Palmer's um, from back when Chili was a, a Shylock uh, in in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So um, they pretty much introduced Tommy in in the sequel, Be Cool, as sort of uh, an old friend that that Travolta was reconnecting with. You gotta you gotta explain this to me if you know. I mm-hmm. I watched the movie. They say Shylock over and over. Mm-hmm. It sounds like something from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> what what's a Shylock? I think it's pretty much just a guy who um you know uh maybe worked as a bookie, um as a, a collector, um pretty much just got caught up in all of the um the illicit stuff you you you'd think people got you know involved with um you know back in the in the 70s and 80s and you know that involved uh you know stuff that wasn't quite legal right yeah all right well so we go we go down into hollywood we see uh christina milian's character sing yeah. in this like fame atmosphere it was like the the movie fame from the yeah, 1980s but, yeah but they were all dressed up like they were like almost like sort of halfway in costume for cats yeah, it was very weird. It's a weird scene, too, because we've already seen her sing. I understand yeah. Uma has to see her, but yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I guess they're trying to say, oh, she can do more than the poppy stuff she did on stage. You know, in the scene with Vince Vaughn, she can do this at a mm-hmm. piano. But to me, this felt totally unnecessary. Yeah, I guess it was just uh, an opportunity to say, hey, we've got Christina Milian, um, and she's a, a singer. We might as well use her. <laughs> yeah, I did not know her. And yeah. what I remember was uh, there was a, a, a talk show host from Spanish television that had a very similar name. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. And so when I first read this, I was like, is that the is that the talk show host from Spanish television? But it's not. This girl's adorable. She looks yeah. like a Smurf. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's another change in the book. Um, they don't mention her uh, her ethnic makeup in the book, um, but my takeaway from it was she was just, you know, uh, a Caucasian girl in her late 20s. Um, okay. Um, not a big difference. The style of music was in, in the book. Um, she's singing with this Spice Girl style group. Um, which she really doesn't like right. the music, and um, she really longs to sort of do singer-songwriter type, you know, 
strap on a guitar, Sheryl Crow maybe type, uh, you know, rock and roll. Right. And, uh, and, and, and I, I say this, she was, she was really, really cute. You know, mm-hmm. she was, a uh, a very, um, attractive young woman. She shows up to sing. It looks like she's got some kind of fast food outfit on. Yeah. I think she, I think it was Dairy Queen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so she, she takes that off, goes in there and, and, and rocks out and Uma Thurman's impressed and, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, up in arms. This is going to be, this is going to be the next big thing, but he stole her away from Vince Vaughn's character. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and, and there's a whole subplot or not the, the, the main driving plot of the book is that Chili, uh, in, in the movie, Chili establishes that he left the movie industry, he quit, and he's got into the music industry. In the book, he's still in the the film business, and he's actually trying to – he's meeting with Tommy um, at the beginning of the book who wants him to make uh, a movie about him. Um, And then he gets killed. So uh, Travolta's character throughout the book is trying to find a way to still make a movie, and then the movie becomes about the girl singer. And so through the whole book, they're sort of, you know, they're writing scenes for the movie based on what's happening in the book. It it, it kind of sort of like Get Shorty um, in the same way, whereas, you know, the end of Get Shorty, the movie is is the end of the story and then it transfers to the movie. Um, And I just got cross eyed. (laughs) um we get some weird dialogue where he's like why don't you just call up steven tyler (laughs) yeah Uh, this is in the car in front of the on hollywood boulevard right they're right across from the chinese theater and they're having this weird conversation about just calling up just call up steven tyler he'll want to hear about it yeah and in the book that happens a little bit differently aerosmith are in the book um, you know, there actually there's an acknowledgement at the beginning where Elmore Leonard thanks uh, the band and also an author of the bi- biography for letting him use um, um, that book as a reference point for those characters. And in the, I don't remember exactly how they hook up with Aerosmith in the book, but it's a lot more uh, organic than just like you should call him up. <laughs> yeah, it, it it seemed weird, and he was the the thing is he was so cool that he was just like, well, you could just do that. I could do that. I I can talk everybody into anything, which is kind of weird throughout this. You know, it's it's a it's an underlying plot thread throughout this, but it's something that doesn't totally doesn't totally make sense with me. Travolta pulls it off because mm-hmm. he is genuinely cool in real life. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's a weird undercurrent throughout this. Yeah, and and one of the main differences for me, or one of my big my biggest problems with the the transition from book to screen was, in the movie, Chili doesn't really do much more than react. Um, he sort of gets dropped into scenes, and he's sort of almost uh, pretty close to being a, a passive participant in the sense that he doesn't really do much to drive things. He's sort of reacting the whole movie. Whereas in the book, he's constantly interacting with everybody and setting things in motion and, and almost setting up um, these different factions, the Russians, the, you know, the gangster rappers and, you know, Vince Vaughn, uh, the Raji character. He's almost setting them up on a board like uh, like a, like a chess game. Yes. You know, and, and finally, you know, until everything finally falls into place. Whereas in the movie, it kind of seems like everything just sort of happens because Chili got lucky. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was my takeaway, at least. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, and it, it definitely, uh, it, it definitely feels that way. So interesting. Interesting. Um, we see the Chinese theater in this. And the Chinese theater, it's a shot from today. The, uh, the marquees on the side are, are like they've been since they remodeled it. Yeah. Uh, probably like 2002. And it says the untouchables for some reason. And I could not find anybody that knows why they chose to put that there. Yeah, I actually paused it and, and, you know, made sure that my eyes weren't playing tricks on me. And I said, they're not setting this movie in the, in the, the time period that The Untouchables was a first-run feature. I don't remember a, a time where the, the Chinese was, was doing, um, you no, know, showing old movies. No, they, they don't weren't. do retrospectives. I mean, no, they're, they're, they're a first-run. They're one screen, so they're always showing the new hotness. Yeah, there's yeah. there's no logical reason for this. This is some kind of a tribute or in-joke or something, but yeah, I, I didn't get don't. It. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand what it is. Well, anyway, after this, we're going to get a lot of Steven Tyler. So I think we better put a pin in it there and pick this up again next week, Craig Cohen. Oh, that sounds good to me. So next week, we'll wrap up Be Cool. We'll talk more about Elmore Leonard, and we'll we'll get to the bottom of whether they they refine Shorty and get him again. <laughs> All right, Craig, thanks for joining me on this one. Oh, thank you. I will talk to you next time. And we will talk to you all next time, right here on Camel Clutch Cinema. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crap. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. Howard Patrols is John Triton. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now, I mean it! Anybody want to feel it? What's that smell? Down goes Jimmy King! Oh my god, a four-post massacre! No one can survive this! This is 